the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Bear Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. I'm grieving, but if you want to leave, take good care. We got a lot of nice things to wear. Then a lot of nice things turn bad out there. Remember 
you like a child girl. La 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 Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and um, we're going to turn our attention this hour to uh, Donald Trump in some ways. Uh, Before, during, and after his presidency, um, there were many people that stood up against him and many people who stood up for him. And they've been compiled into two books by my guest this hour, um, attorney and author uh, Kenneth Ford McCallion has written two books that are really companion books. One is Profiles in Courage in the Trump Era. The other is Profiles in Cowardice in the Trump Era. And uh, Ken McCallion joins me by phone. Hi, Ken. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Ken, why two books and not Profiles in Courage and Cowardice in the Trump Era in one book? Well, uh, originally it was uh, designed uh, to be one book, but it quite got quite uh, voluminous, uh, and uh, really, fo- and it's really the flip side of the same same question as to what happened during the Trump era, uh, and uh, for for ease of uh, ease of readership, we uh, divided it into uh, into two books. Um, Leading with profiles uh, in courage, uh, the more positive uh, uh, view. Uh, but the other side of the story has to be told as well, and uh, we think that uh, the readers, after reading the profiles in courage book, uh, would uh, would want to follow up with the profiles in cowardice to get uh, both sides of the story. Is is it by coincidence that the uh that the covers uh, of uh, Profiles in Courage is blue and Profiles in Cowardice is red? Well, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's, I, it was coincidental, but as you, uh, as you suggest, after uh, our design people uh, came up with it, it just so happens that I guess the uh, color blue uh, tends, to be, uh, tends to be associated with vote blue and Democrat... Uh, Democratic Party, while well, the Republican obviously uh, uh, colors are red. Let's talk about this notion of of courage versus uh, cowardice. 
um, that's taking a very different stand for or against President Donald Trump. And there are a great many people in this country, as you know, who continue to support Donald Trump. And from their perspective, they would think that they're the ones that are standing up and, and should be lauded for courage. Um, how does how what kind of reaction are you getting from trumpers and and those who would like to see his uh, presidency fade into history uh well uh i have um i have friends and associates really uh in both camps and the camps have uh, as you know gotten quite heated in their discussions However, uh, I fortunately have been able to really have a dialogue with uh, some of my Trump friend uh, supporters and uh, even elected uh, officials uh, on the issue. And uh, uh, quite frankly, this particular book, I think, uh, while I come from a very definite perspective uh, on the Trump era, uh, quite happy to see it over and believe that it should be dissected. Uh, and examine closely for historical and current purposes, uh, I do um, uh, listen to and uh, hear some uh, very interesting arguments uh, from my Trump supporters, particularly on the uh, current uh, uh, vaccination issue. And quite frankly, given the persistence of the pandemic uh, into this year and the Delta variant, um, I've been able to have some very good discussions on that issue and generally about what happened on January 6th uh, with them. So I think it's uh, the effort is really to promote a dialogue uh, because uh, I think all of us have friends, families, and others who we care uh, deeply about, appreciate their views, who um, I'd have to compare it to before the uh, Civil War in, in the U.S. where um, part of my family comes from Maryland, and uh, they fought on both sides, uh, both sides of the divide during the Civil War. Uh, but uh, after uh, after the war, had to come back together again as one family. So that's really the way uh, I approach it. Yeah, I was recently uh, talking with um, an author uh, of a book, American Schism, who says that. Uh, uh, in fact, it was uh, Seth Radwell who maintains that the divide that we see in the in the country uh, even predates the um, creation of the Constitution and in the winning of the Revolutionary War. That that there's always been this sort of um, divisive politics even barack obama i think it was soon after uh, donald trump was elected president said that uh, he didn't think donald trump was the cause of the division he thought he was um, he and, and his movement and his election was a symptom of an already existing chasm what do you think about that? Because you, you know, I, I mentioned that the, the books were red and blue, depending on, you know, whether you were talking about cowardice or courage. But it's not, 
it isn't that clearly defined along party lines because some of the people that you laud for courage are in fact republicans no that's uh that's absolutely uh absolutely true i i tried to focus uh obviously the republicans who i think stood up for what was right during the trump era in my view <coughs> uh were in a position to display <coughs> uh courage much more than the democrat uh elected officials uh however uh, as you point out I do make an exception, uh, actually, particularly in Michigan, in that regard, in uh, that uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer uh, was obviously exposed uh, to uh, a conspiracy, obviously, to um, kidnap her and her life, whatever it was, and those individuals um, uh, were fortunately arrested and are being held accountable. Uh, however, um, given what happened in Lansing uh, well before January 6th and um, the opposition, um, much of it lawful, but obviously some of it unlawful that Gretchen Whitmer and her officials faced was... Well, uh, at the very least, I it was menacing. <laughs> uh, yeah, certainly menacing to her. Yeah. Um. You must have wrestled a little bit with where to put Mike Pence. I would have, Ken. Um, you have him listed among the people in the uh, profiles in uh, Cowardice book. But I would have thought because of his uh, his actions on January 6th that he might have made it into Profiles and Courage. Well, it's an astute observation you have, and uh, actually in the original draft it was. Um, however, um, uh, Mike Pence, uh, although he did the right thing on January 6th and deserves a great deal of, uh, of credit uh, for that by carefully studying the Constitution and realizing that the Senate really could not constitutionally um, reject uh, the um, electoral slates uh, as presented to them by the states. Uh, after that, um, Mike Pence made uh, a number of public statements, uh, again, jumping on board uh, on the uh, uh, 2020 election was stolen bandwagon uh, of uh, former President Trump, and questioning the legitimacy of the election. So although I think he did the right thing on January 6th, and he did show up for the uh, uh, inauguration on January 20th of uh, our current president, uh, his continued statements uh, in order to maintain a leadership position in the Republican Party I think were extremely disappointing. So when the final cut came, uh, I just could not, uh, in my view, include him uh, completely in the profiles and courage. But there is a recognition uh, in our description and profile of, uh, uh, of Vice President Pence of the uh, at least temporary courage that he uh, did display on January 6th. More with attorney and author Kenneth Ford McCallion 
straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with attorney and author Kenneth Ford McCallion straight ahead. You talk about, we've seen lots of uh, cases where the state Republican Party has admonished its members that didn't support Trump in in one way or another, either through comments they made, votes that they cast during uh, impeachments and, and other um, actions in the legislature. Um, did you look at at those people and and share their stories you, I, I know you talk about Adam Kinzinger and Lynn Cheney uh, in the book uh, Profiles and Courage for the Stands They've Taken um, but there are a number of others from Congress and uh, various governors and so on and some of those people have been targeted in uh, primary elections they've been censured by their parties um, how much risk was it for people to stand up and um, take a more John McCain sort of stance against Donald Trump? Well, it's uh, it's still an unfolding story, and um, certainly uh, Republican governors, who I think stood tall uh, during the uh, post-election period uh, uh, last year in 2020, uh, particularly uh, Georgia Governor uh, Brian Kemp, uh, Arizona Governor Doug uh, Ducey, and and others uh, ran a considerable uh, risk and fallout uh, from their position that uh, while they were diehard Republicans and voted for Donald Trump for president, that. Uh, the elections in their respective states, while close, uh, fairly went to the Democratic candidate, and them and their election uh, officials, uh, particularly in Georgia, uh, Arizona, uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, Aaron Van Langfeld, uh, who uh, from uh, Michigan. A state election official. Um, maybe many in Michigan hadn't heard of him before, but uh, I, like uh, m- many other Michiganers um, and others, uh, were glued to our TV during the election <laughs> uh, votes by the state election commi- uh, commissioners and seeing that young man uh, stand up and say, look, uh, to do my duty and fulfill the obligations of my oath, I have to certify the election results as uh, we've counted them. Um, well, in normal times, would not be a qualify for a profile in courage, certainly given the pressures that he and uh, um, uh, Republican governors were facing during that uh, post-election period last year. Uh, were were tremendous pressures, uh, including death threats, and uh, certainly um, 
uh, other act, uh, attempted acts of coercion uh, may have been political suicide for them, but I, I think that uh, fulfilling their oaths was important to them and very important for us as uh, all Americans. On the other side of the coin, from the uh, from the book Profiles in Cowardice, um, as as you portray the people that stood up um, with Donald Trump that that helped share his message, which many have referred to as the big lie, especially as it relates to the 2020 election. Um, did you get any sense for why people continue to support Donald Trump and the, quote, big lie, uh, despite all of the court cases and evidence to the contrary? Uh, sure. I, I think it. Uh, there's at least... Um two different camps and two different reasons for it. The first one I'll, I'll describe as people uh, who knew better, uh, and I would include you know, the Republican senators and members of the House uh, who went along with the big lie. Uh, I would say that was uh, political expediency. It's really orthodox uh, belief now in the Republican Party, and I've spoken to uh, some Republican candidates, particularly in primaries, uh, such as in Pennsylvania and others, uh, who, uh, if they want to continue as election of, uh, as elected officials or to get elected uh, in Republican primaries, um, need to continue to buy into the lie, which is very unfortunate that the Democrats won the election. Uh, I think uh, that one of the fundamental principles uh, which our democracy is founded, and even uh, the election of President Lincoln in 1960, the opposition segregationists. 1860. And so the, uh, 1860, the, the southern states uh, did not challenge the legitimacy of Lincoln's election. They just pulled their states out of the Union at that point. So we're, we're entering a new, uh, really a new era where... Uh, uh, really the foundations of democracy and the legitimacy of our elections are being questioned. I've seen this in other countries, in Hungary, uh, Eastern European countries, which had um, some vibrant uh, democracies, which have now uh, become uh, really anti-democratic uh, democracies. We have a strong country. We have a strong constitution. However, uh, we can continue indefinitely uh, questioning uh, the results of, of our elections, if we're going to survive. So uh, I think that uh, is very unfortunate that Republican officials uh, are continuing to promote this. Uh, and the others are um, really, I think, the general base of, of Trump's support. Uh, you have to believe someone, and if they're officials, Republican officials, and uh, and the media that they watch are promoting the idea that the election was rigged and, and stolen from Donald Trump. Uh, they believe, you know, the news sources and officials who are speaking. And um, I can't really qu uh, really question that. I think we need a uh, close re-examination by Republican officials and the party itself as to what it stands for, what the soul of the party is, 
and where we can go as uh, as Americans uh, into the future together. Did you reach out to all the people um, when you were putting together the, the material to write these two books, Profiles in Courage in the Trump Era and Profiles in Cowardice in the Trump Era? Did you reach out to all the people um, for interviews or, or comments to participate in the in the book and and how much of it was uh, done through interviews with those people and and how much material was culled from news and uh, public records uh, much of it was from the public record but uh, as you indicated we reached out uh, uh, to the individuals we were profiling uh, in many cases, particularly the uh, Republican officials that we uh, were developing a critique on, uh, did not respond. Uh, and, uh, however, uh, a number of those uh, who are profiled in uh, the Profiles in Courage uh, book did, uh, did respond to confirm what information we had from public source. Uh, and uh, but also we included some uh, interview uh, interview material, particularly um, those kind of riveting statements as to what they experienced. Some of the House uh, members on January 6th during the assault on the uh, on the Capitol, uh, what their feelings were, their feelings of uh, distress, disappointment at what was happening, uh, and their commitment to uh, go back uh, after uh, the, the House floor was, was cleared uh, to take the vote as required uh, by the Constitution on, uh, on the, uh, confirming the electoral slate of electors uh, from the various states and uh, committing themselves to uh, investigating uh, the sources uh, of uh, of the events of that particular day, as well as the reasons for it, which uh, I think that uh, a 9-11 type commission would have been warranted. But I think um, all of us on, on both sides uh, need to come together and really rethink where we are as a country and where we can move forward, uh, even with deep differences, but at least with some respect. Uh, for the outcome of our elections. Was um, Mitt Romney and, and Liz Cheney, and, and I suppose I could add Adam Kinzinger to that list, were they responsive when you reached out to them? Uh, some of their staff members, we uh, did confirm the information that uh, we had from public source uh, documents. Uh, they didn't specifically... Um, comment uh, beyond that, uh, but um, we did not receive back any comments indicating that any of our uh, profile uh, material was uh, was incorrect, so we're quite heartened by that, and uh, actually the book came out really before Liz Cheney was stripped, uh, or about the time when she was stripped of her leadership position uh, in, in the House. And Kinsinger um, uh, underwent uh, quite a bit of uh, criticism at that time, so they were really under fire as the book was coming out. But uh, uh, 
we believe that the uh, profiles that we outlined in great detail um, were accurate and we received no information to the contrary from them or any of the other uh, individuals who were profiled in the book. So uh, we had a research team working on it. Um, I gave them a lot of credit uh, in the book. Uh, we doubled and triple-checked everything, so we believe that uh, it's a, I'll call it a first, ha- a first pass at history uh, of what, uh, what happened in the Trump era. Um, for the reflection, I'm sure many other books will be coming out in the future. But I think I thought w- it was very important that right after the events which happened, particularly January 6th, that we get out uh, a profile uh, of all the participants uh, as we knew it at the time, the public information available. Uh, and the details, um, the details of it, and we think that uh, this will uh, stand as an important first uh, first pass at history uh, and commentary somewhere between journalism and uh, and and history, which is kind of the field that I that I write in as a lawyer and political scientist, uh, and we're we're quite proud of it and are getting some. Pretty good reviews on it, although not everybody who's reading it is uh, certainly happy <laughs> with the adverse uh, the adverse profiles, particularly those we've received comments. But uh, nobody's pointed out any um, factual inaccuracies at this point. Um, Ken, when when did it occur to you that it was already time to look back and collect? the stories of these people for and against Donald Trump. Um, You know, you you said the the book came out uh, when Liz Cheney was uh, um, being chastised by her party uh, in in Washington and stripped of uh, committee assignments and so on. Um, But it's, it's... tempting for me to think that January 6th happened and Ken McMallion sat down and said, you know, I need to write a book about all this division and who was where and when. Um, but you actually decided to do this before that. When when, and how did you come to the conclusion it was time to collect all these stories? Uh, sure. Um, well, I had previously written a book actually before the first impeachment of Donald Trump um, called Treason and and Betrayal. Uh, And um, as you might know, I was actually uh, provided, uh, I provided a fair amount of the information that led to the special counsel, Robert Mueller's uh, investigation, particularly relating to Paul Manafort and his money laundering um, uh, and other illegal activities in Ukraine and elsewhere. So um, I had represented various uh, pro-Western, pro-American officials who were in jail in Eastern Europe, uh, particularly in the Ukraine, and uh, Paul Manafort and others were on the other side of the slate uh, representing uh, the pro-Russian president of Ukraine and others. So uh, I have... Uh, I was really going to write the book uh, relating to uh, focusing on the impeachment proceedings, what I knew about what happened in Ukraine, 
um, and Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump's attempts to really smear President Biden uh, and his son uh, with regard to um, allegations of corruption relating to Ukraine. So, however, when January 6th happened, uh, obviously, as you've seen, the, uh, that kind of crystallized my thinking and uh, as to the division in the country, and that became more of the focal point. But we do have a, extensive uh, portions of the book do deal with the impeachment process, the impeachment witnesses, particularly those relating to um, relating to Ukraine uh, and the Foreign Service officers and those in the Department of State who stood tall, testified, and uh, told the truth as they had seen and, and heard it uh, in the impeachment proceedings. So we cover the entire uh, scope of the Trump presidency. Uh, however, uh, certainly January 6th uh, was an electrifying moment that we do spend a great deal of time focusing on. Now, I didn't mention in the introduction, but my guest, Kenneth McMallion, is a graduate of Yale University and Fordham Law School, who uh, has served um, as a prosecutor in the U.S. Department of Justice and uh, the New York State Attorney General's Office. Um, when when did you hold those positions, Ken? I was with the Department of uh, Justice or Organized Crime Section and um, counterintelligence work uh, primarily in uh, going back to the 1980s, early 1990s. And I don't discuss it in this book, but actually I uh, handled the investigation of uh, labor racketeering relating to Trump Tower uh, and um, uh, was intimately involved in the investigation of the Trump Organization back then, uh, back when actually Rudy Giuliani was a prose- was a fellow prosecutor of mine <laughs> uh, as, as well. Uh, that obviously did not lead to it. Led to a great number of indictments and convictions of of labor officials that uh, Mr. Trump had reached uh, really corrupt uh, labor deals with. Uh, during the construction of Trump Tower. But uh, it was decided, probably rightfully uh, at that point, to just focus on the organized crime and labor racketeering aspects of it. And Mr. Trump was represented by uh, the famous or infamous Roy Cohen at the time. Um, There was a decision not to file any indictment. Maybe history would have been somewhat different if... uh, uh, if there had been a prosecution of the developers, such as Mr. Trump, um, at that particular point, but um, and certain uh, certainly as a um, private attorney after leaving the Department of, uh, of Justice, I continued to uh, deal with these issues by representing um, a number of uh, particularly foreign. Uh, officials and opposition officials in Eastern Europe on human rights violations uh, and election fraud issues in Ukraine and elsewhere. Uh, And uh, um, never expected that um, uh, Paul Manafort and others who I was up against uh, in uh, Ukraine 
would end up uh, being the campaign chairman of the uh, of the Trump organization uh, and his assistants, uh, including those with close Russian connections, would be working on the Trump campaign. But as history would have it, that developed, uh, and I was probably one of the most knowledgeable people on Manafort's prior activities and others. So. I think I was very helpful to um, uh, federal law enforcement uh, in the special counsel's uh, investigation, which um, uh, led to a number of significant uh, indictments uh, and convictions. Of course, most of them, if not all of them, were later pardoned by um, President Trump as he was leaving office. Uh, but at least uh, I think the story and the events of what happened have uh, reached the light of day. Well, I so, am probably one of the, the few people, Ken, who actually read the Mueller report. <laughs> good for you. It was, it was a tough slog at times. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you, Volume 1 was riveting talking about the uh, the Russian hacking and, and uh, interference uh, in the election and that, that part of the book. Volume 2, I have to admit, for me, was a little bit technical, a little harder to get through, but, uh, but I made it all the way through. Um, more with attorney and author Kenneth Ford McCallion. <laughs> Yeah. 
This is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places. So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Jonah Bodie. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. 
MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with attorney and author Kenneth Ford McCallion straight ahead. Ken, I, I mentioned, you know, right at the beginning of our conversation that the book is in uh, is actually two books, one called Profile Profiles in Courage in the Trump Area, the other called Profiles in Cowardice in the Trump Area. Um, now, I imagine that they're sold separately, but um, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Are they? Um, if you read one, must you read the other? Can, are, are they sold together or separately? Uh, uh, good thing you ask. Uh, we were hoping that they'd be sold uh, together, and uh, I think Amazon and Barnes and Noble maybe is selling them at a at a discount together. We were hoping to put them in the uh, in the same box, but as you probably know, Amazon decides. Uh, how it best wants to market it. So they're being uh, sold as uh, companion uh, books. However, if you go to our uh, uh, website, um, we can certainly arrange to get you the second volume uh, at a discount. And we think we priced it uh, really for wide wide distribution. And... um, because we think it's a significant addition to the dialogue and the narrative, which uh, post-election narrative, which uh, really uh, all Americans should be thinking about as to what happened in our last election and what the significance of the Trump era was as we continue to work our way through both the pandemic and and the political um, uh and political uh, infighting and um, very vehement um, uh, discussions which are going on, and we hope that uh, it can add to that dialogue, and hopefully uh, the country can see its way uh, to the other side of this controversy. Ken, when you were writing the books, which came first, uh, courage or cowardice? (laughs) <laughs> really, cur- really, courage. Uh, John F. Kennedy, uh, as a, as a kid, um, I thought that was a great book. Uh, although I later found out that uh, uh, his friend Ted Sorensen had had written a lot of it, uh, which uh, which is fine. Um, I wrote most of this book. I did have uh, I, I re- wrote every word of it, but I did have the benefit of a. Of a pretty wide research uh, team, including former students of mine and, and colleagues, so it was a labor of love uh, by the entire 
uh, team and uh, the profiles and courage uh, really was the focus of it. But as we started writing, we realized that the story from our perspective would be incomplete unless we uh, did profile um, uh, those who we believe did not fulfill their oaths of office uh, and uh, uh, did some damage to our Constitution and our democracy. Well, Ted Sorensen was uh, often, if not almost always, the uh, um, JFK's voice. Oh, he was um, you know, some of uh, JFK's great uh, his great speeches, uh, including inauguration speech, was substantially written by Ted Sorensen, very articulate man, and I think underestimated in his impact uh, in American history. But uh, additional facts and his uh, uh, deep influence on the JFK uh, administration and later the Johnson. Uh, administration, I think, is just uh, um, some details are just continuing to come to light. So I think his, uh, uh, maybe at some point, I haven't thought about it before, but I think a biography of uh, Ed Sorensen should be in order by uh, by uh, some historian, or if not by them, by myself. Well, I... Uh I, I hope that you do because I agree with you. I think uh, Ted Sorensen is greatly under-celebrated. Um, we have to wrap it up, Ken, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about, the uh, books, Our Profiles in Courage in the Trump Era and Profiles in Cowardice in the Trump Era uh, by Kenneth Ford McMallion. And um, Ken, uh do you have uh, a website where people can learn more about you and your work, past, present, and future? Uh, sure. Uh, Kenneth McCallion, uh, author, or they could just Google the books, Profiles uh, in Courage and Profiles in Cowardice, or my name, uh, Kenneth Ford McCallion. Uh, and uh, they're very accessible. Um, you you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, of course, or you can get it directly from our website uh, just by Googling the name, uh, my name, or the uh, names of the books. And uh, we've received some very interesting comments, uh, most of them favorable from readers, and we respond to really all all comments. And uh, uh, it's also... Uh, we. Uh, the foundation for really a documentary series that will probably be streaming and appearing on Netflix uh, soon. So we think that uh, both the book, uh, which is available in print or audio, uh, 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 the audio will be coming out shortly, and then uh, it's available on Kindle, uh, and um, stay tuned for... Uh, a documentary series based on that, so we encourage people to read the book uh, uh, <clears throat> as additional information becomes known and as the uh, House investigation uh, proceeds on the uh, events surrounding January 6th. Uh, we think that uh, the House members, uh, we received comments from them, uh, none of the facts are unknown to them, but uh, this is the first collection, really, of a detailed events 
of that in the Trump era that is being used by researchers and in Congress uh, for uh, the continuing investigation of those events. Well, Ken, thank you so much for spending this time with uh, me and the listeners this morning, and uh, keep up the good work, sir. Well, thanks so much. We really appreciate the opportunity, and we look forward to uh, continuing our discussion with you, hopefully, in the future. That would be great. Thanks, Ken. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was uh, Kenneth Ford McCallion, the author of the new books, Profiles in Courage in the Trump Era and Profiles in Cowardice in the Trump Era. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. Old-fashioned radio For a new generation TomSumnerProgram.com Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner Hey, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program, but thanks again to all of the great guests we had on, including uh, Kenneth McCallion this last hour, talking about his books about the Trump era. We're going to talk with Owen Symes tomorrow about the uh, Obama era to kick off the show on uh, Friday, plus musician and uh, artist Brett Newski. Uh, but uh, other guests on the show today, it was great uh, having Kevin Shuey back to talk about his uh, Bad Love series and the new installment, Bad Love Medicine. And then starting out this morning with, uh, I, I thought it was a fun conversation with uh, Maggie McGuire, who... Um, is the CEO of Pinna, and they do podcasts for kids, including uh, just into its uh, third season, the A to Z Mysteries Clue Club, based on the uh, A to Z Mysteries uh, series of books for kids by Ron Roy. Um, anyway, it. Uh, the show went uh, pretty smooth today, which I was a little doubtful of last night. The uh, power was out in the studio uh, throughout a good chunk of the uh, afternoon and evening, and I wasn't sure we were going to have power in the studio this morning or internet, and uh, and we did, and I was here, and I expect to be here again tomorrow at 9 a.m. for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. In the meantime, uh, have a great day, and uh, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. 
most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.